Welcome, everyone, to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Philip. I'm Daryl, and we are joined by a very special guest, Dylan. Dylan, Yay, that's me. <laughs> so, um, we did a huge Marvel holiday special, seasonal special, um, this past spring, and I had you and your co-host of your podcast on, um, and. In the seasonal specials that Marvel would put out, there's only like one X story to go around. Oh. And uh, you didn't get an X story when you joined us that time. But you have an X story now. I made sure that you got your preference for an X book as you joined us this time. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I got Hercules on the other one, so that was fun. Uh, yeah, Hercules is uh, nothing to scoff at. Would not kick him out of bed for eating crackers. So he could eat crackers all over my body if he wanted to. <laughs> I would line my body instead of sushi. It would just be saltines. You, you would be the cracker. In there would be him. chicken and a biscuit somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Sir. <laughs> <laughs> We're here today to cover Uncanny X-Men Annual 17 where walks the executioner it's not executioner and it's so hard to pronounce this name because it's executioner yeah which sounds like you're mispronouncing executioner it's true um he is our first appearance character and also on this cover we get what a badass looking storm she is coming in to make the save for colossus in this image yeah it's, it's amazing this cover so, is amazing the roof sleeve with the cape flowing like Everything is so good. I have not reached this period in my uncanny read through. Um, uh, right now, I'm still in the Outback era, nearing oh. the end of the Outback era. So I'm a few years behind where this is happening. So it was fun for me to read this and see where the characters are, because I know some things that happen in the future. I know nothing about all this. So like I was able to pick up some Colossus stuff in here. Um this we, book is very, very important. Like, I'm happy that I got this one because this is actually one of my favorite books. So. This is awesome. Then you can take the lead. Um, we're oh just going to lead right in. It is one, basically one big story. Um, we have a short backup. Um, but Scott Lobdell is on the Uncanny X-Men right now. So this is after Claremont um, departs. And... Lobdell was directly after, I think, right, Dylan? I think so, yeah. So um, Scott Lobdell took over a, a pretty big title at Marvel and was entrusted with it in the middle of a whole lot of shit going on. Um, like, it, the Claremont era didn't end with a defined issue, really. Like, the X-Men is a soap opera, so it's ongoing. So mm -hmm. the next writer has to pick that up and then deal with everything that's happened. And in the case of Claremont, it's like 17 years of stuff that has been built up by a different writer. And you're like, and now I'm the creative person. So uh, Dylan, kick us off. Where are we opening up? Oh, boy. So um, I don't even know where this opens up at. It's a it's Central America, I feel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, like, I don't remember it saying where the country was, just people spoke Spanish. <laughs> True. It could be the American Southwest, too, based off of architecture. Like, it's it's somewhere where Spanish is the predominant language. Predominant language. Yeah. And some political upheaval. Yes. 
So we open up with, um, I don't know who this mutant is, but there's a mutant there and he's terrorizing these Spanish speaking people at a restaurant, cafe, whatever. And he's terrorizing a child. Then he starts to attack the child's mom. And then before he can do what almost seems like the R word, uh, he gets attacked by executioner. So yeah, it's so very great to say that name. Executioner busts through the wall and no, no, he comes up behind him. You can see him in the, the glasses yes. reflection. So this guy has been drinking, um, really wants to like assault this poor woman. Executioner comes in and blasts him through the wall of the cafe. And he is just immolated. Yeah, he is. He's very uh, much back to that. Do you, I don't, I don't think they're going to resurrect him on Krakoa. No. That's uh, fine. Because he shouldn't be. Um, and we see the executioner is he's out to kill mutants. Kill mutants who mm. commit crimes? Who have killed others. Okay. Yes. Who have killed others and then he will what did he say? And then only mutants who kill first. So like he'll kill mutants that have killed people and then he'll wait until they kill more until the ones who haven't killed kill some I, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Because all, all mutants are gonna kill someone, so yes. he'll get them all eventually. He's got this funky like crusader crown thing going on with a long droopy face mask. And there's some chain mail, there's chain some mail arms, some spiky and... things coming out from his back. Boots. Might be swords, might not be, who knows? gigantic he has a lot of, he's very much 90s yeah he's accessorizing he didn't listen to coco chanel with the before you leave take one thing off <laughs> but maybe he did and oh, whole, yeah oh had a lot on and then we i this issue was written so well because it plops you into x character stuff and i didn't know what was going on but i wanted to read it I had no idea what was happening. It's a very like, why is Jean shopping for a lingerie? Yeah, it's why, very confusing. Why is she calling Nate her child? Right? It, there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot of confusing stuff happening. And there's three Nimrods. Um there is a, the X-Men are famous because they have toys. And um little Nate is asking for Ice Master. Which I'm like. Is that an, is that Ice Man? Is that an Ice Villain? They What's don't happening? sell Ice Master anywhere except for this store. Oh. Exclusive. Is it Walmart? Is it Toys R Us exclusive? Is it Walgreens? Yeah. Please take all of your exclusives away from Walmart, Hasbro. P.S. What a pain in the ass. Um, I will deal with Target, but not with Walmart. There's uh, some whams. Yeah. So Nimrod is coming in because they detect that nate is a, has latent mutant abilities and gina's like no absolutely not none of us are mutants yeah so it's very disconcerting as you're reading it you're like what, what the yeah. yeah and then bishop and shard come in and i love me some good shard appearances me too and also spoiler alert this is actually shard's first appearance what as an illusion wow rude spoiler alert so we get a twofer yeah Yeah. 
I when I started rereading it, I was like, wait, who's who's the new character in this book? Is it Shard or Executioner? And it's both. At Marvel was promoting Executioner as their first appearance character of choice, but I'm more than willing to switch it to Shard. Isn't doesn't Executioner have his own song or is that Strife? I'm very con- there is Executioner's song, yes. which um is after this obviously is it rivaling dazzler for the top 10 (laughs) it's not it's not an actual song he doesn't sing he's not climbing the charts you shouldn't have told him that now he's not gonna read it (laughs) let him read all 12 parts of it to get to the 12th part and you're like where's the song (laughs) (laughs) the song is somewhere in one of these issues um so they come in and shoot the nimrods and then the X-Men, Ice Masters X-Men show up. I thought he was Colossus at first because they made him super shiny and not necessarily like blue ice. It was more like silvery ice. So let's review this X-Team that's presented to us. We have Havoc, Polaris, Ice Master, Wolverine, and Professor X. Wolverine is literally foaming at the mouth like a rabid creature um i think this team is lacking for several reasons (laughs) i mean i'm i'm happy that it's lacking cyclops i'm happy that cyclops is not there but you have xavier on the team and he's not even the leader no yeah and it's i mean i love me some bobby so they're coming in and bishop's like you know you're not the x-men you're a you're a mockery and bobby's like but we have fans like this bobby ring still rings very true as bobby drake (laughs) um i could see him having this fantasy even today maybe today i feel like he's gained a little bit more self-awareness in the past five or eight years i agree with you daryl i could i could see it also when we got to this page i was like oh philip's gonna really love this because it's like iceman I do. And it, it, I mean, you have a bodysuit now. I, I don't have that suit. I have the, the romper. Yes. For my cosplay. Which people saw at the Uncanny Experience where you cosplayed for the very first time. Yes. It's an experience. It's spandex. Um, so we're going through. There's some drama. There's drama. Cyclops does show up, but he's just Scott Summers. And he's there with Rachel. So, like, the weirdness continues for so long in this issue. Where you're like, as a reader, you're like, there are so many things just not right here. Yeah. <laughs> Why are Rachel and Cable both tiny? Why aren't Gene and Cyclops on the X-Men? Yeah. Why? Xavier is a field agent now. And we get the answer as we focus on a character in the background. And it slowly zooms into his mouth as, like, the family continues to talk. And then it zooms out. Some pearly whites. And, like, it's an eccentric sort of grin with some very wide eyes. And as it zooms out, it is Jason Wingard dying in a hospital room. Yep. And there's a conked out Bishop, Gene, and Bobby. Surrounding him. And next to Gene's hand is a letter that says, to Gene. So, uh, Mastermind here is dying of the legacy virus. 
and um, the rest of the X-Men are outside the room, and it's Colossus, Archangel, and Storm trying to figure out, like... What to do. Yes, like, we need to get them back. We need to help them, but we can't go near them, because whatever happened to them might happen to us, and then who would be left? The whole thing. Yep. I want to say real quick, Storm looks amazing in, in these panels. I, I don't know why. It, it looks different than most it's, Storm. It's the very smooth hair. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did just want to say the artist of this issue or this story is yeah. Jason Pearson. He was the penciler. Uh, he actually passed away at the end of 2022. Oh. He did great like work. One of the main or really only X-Men things that he did. Oh, but Pete Colossus's like human face here is so good. And uh, we cut away to the past. Don't mind the sounds in the background. That's just Asta waking up from her afternoon nap for some construction. Yes, she is going after a cardboard box somewhere in the background. Um, so we find the Jean getting the letter and. She's like, oh, it's from Jason Wingard. I should go. Um, <laughs> and ev everyone else is like, what? What are you talking about? And then they go with her. <laughs> yes, and then... Doesn't Storm make that determination? Before, like, and Bobby is like, what? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Um, Bobby is being a brat in the background. Also, he looks like he's 12, but he should be the same age as Jean. Um, so they go into the hospital room to make this, like, last wish. Jacob Wingard is the Make-A-Wish villain. Jean Grey is John Cena. And Jean Grey is John Cena granting him a wish. And <laughs> the, the door slams shut. They're hit by, like, a mental blast. There's a bam. And then they all collapse. And Colossus is angry he slams down on like the view control keyboard because they were watching this to like review yes what did they miss from before like how can they go in let's review the footage and computers narrate everything yeah yeah and colossus so is upset because his sister is also sick right now and he doesn't understand why we're dealing with a villain who's tried to kill them multiple times yeah and he's like iliana dying of the same thing i would rather be with her and the he does not do well with the whole standby thing. He is a man of action. He wants to go do something and he can't. And that's super frustrating for him. And I lost my train of thought with this, but oh, and how it sort of makes sense with the legacy virus as an allegory for the AIDS virus and things. Mm. So so what uh, um dear listener go back to the um episode of mrs scottfree for deeper discussion of that allegory yes um we're back into jean's mind where she's having a romantic night with scott summers in front of the fire and it turns into the phoenix and she's like no there's something here that's familiar like she's starting to put pieces together and then her kids come down dressed as like their adult selves, but they're still small children. So like, yeah. it's... little ex babies. I love it. Yeah, Nate is carrying a gun that is cable sized, but he is a child, so it is the same it is, size. It's the same size as him. 
Um, and Rachel has her red spiky suit. And Jean is just pissed. And she's like, I'm not the woman who gave birth to Rachel Summers. And my clone gave birth to Nate. So, like, I'm not your mom. Get the fuck off me. Like, she is starting to come around. Like, to be fair, this little uh, Rachel and little Cable tried to kill her. And then she's like, fuck this. Slam them against a wall. And then she finds Mastermind looking well, but also like just laying on the ground. And pieces start to fall together as we cut to the three X-Men outside of the mind. And there is a proximity alert here on Muir Island. Muir. 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 Mur. Uh, Murk Island. Um... <laughs> And it's Executioner. Executioner's here, and he's like, there is a mutant who did murder on this island, and I'm going to kill him. His name is Jason Wingard. And the other three are like, we can't let this happen, because if he dies, our friends are inside his mind, and they will die. Yes. So their bodies will be alive, but uh, their consciousness or will disappear with Jason. So to say, yeah, to save their friends, they have to save Mastermind. Which is unfortunate. Bishop shows up. He has similarly broken free of his delusions. And so the, the band is getting back together. We've got two out of three realizing what's happening and they're together and they go off to figure it out. Yes. They have to go find Bobby in the mental scape. I'm sorry, I believe you mean Ice Master. <laughs> <laughs> um, Executioner is climbing a cliff. Working so, those gloves. Yeah, so like he put together like all this... All this trash. All this trash, like um, a Shi'ar Silence, prototype Sentinel propel units, which aren't doing anything to get him up a cliff, apparently. <laughs> um... And it's because he is a former partner of Fred Duncan, friend of the X-Men, who it's revealed in this issue has died. So he's like... He's getting revenge in some way? Sort of! Um, but only on the Bad Mutants, because Fred Duncan supported the X-Men. So... I don't know. It's weird. It's a bit convoluted. X executioner himself is very convoluted and it's a good thing he just has never returned to comics there's a braca baboom which is a might be in the top 10 onomatopoeias i think that we've come across braca baboom braca baboom braca baboom who's in this room it's colossus and he's taking first strike at executioner warren swoops in to drag him up to have an airborne battle as the second part and he electrocutes him yeah he executioner face palms warren and with an ah like does some sort of neural bad thing yeah is there a name for the neural bad thing um it's just a neuro charge oh a neuro charge um, then Colossus gets back up and he's like, it's time for round two. But then we go to Bobby's mental scape where, um, Gene and Bishop are fighting the Ice Masters X-Men. 
And uh, Ice Master himself is strapped to an X, a rather iconic X. We've seen it utilized before. Even Madrox has been strapped to a big X like that. Yeah. Um, and because Jean is caught on, she rips Polaris apart. Like, like in half. She shreds her, is what she says. Jean, Jean is ruthless in this issue, in this she, alternate world. She's like, none of this matters. They're not alive, but they can kill us. So the fuck if I'm going to let that happen? Yeah, I feel like Jean, Jean might have some issues with her children and her friends that she's like internalizing because like i feel like the moment she's like oh this doesn't matter i'm going to throw my toddlers against a wall and destroy them i'm gonna rip my almost sister-in-law in half so uh, people who want some criticisms of gene need look no further than this issue um i will come to gene's defense though Ooh, oh we got a gene stand in the room oh, i boy. mean these like mental planes, I feel like are things that Jean is very well versed in. So when she realizes like these are fake, these aren't our friends, this doesn't matter, she like is a hundred percent this just does not matter. I'm ending it. Like she doesn't what she doesn't have to play around. She's familiar enough with all this stuff to be like, no, swatting it aside. And if that swatting means tearing people limb from limb they're not going to come back and bother her but, i don't know okay in, in comics though i feel like the x-men know that like anytime there's like an illusion it actually does end up being like some alternate world somewhere and so she literally just ripped that world polaris in half <laughs> so uh, after she tears everyone apart they figure out that this professor x that's about to stab Bobby Drake is really Jason Wingard. And he transforms back to his sickly legacy virus self and collapses. And then the world is sort of, it goes blank and there's a window through which they can see a hospital room and she has the letter with her. So they're starting to piece everything together. Like, uh, mastermind is leading us towards the answer. Yeah. In the meantime, we get a, a page where there's three columns, which I feel does not happen very often. And one of the columns is entirely thum, 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 thum. And then there's a Colossus Fist with some more thums. Maybe a boom. What do we got? We got thums. Yep. There's yeah. a shing. And Colossus had gone flying. And there's the Shi'ar Silence. Mm-hmm. And the only tangible proof the Xenox ever came anywhere near this galaxy, which is a lightsaber. I don't know who the Xenox are. I only know them from the X-Men Legends games mm. where they have gear. There's like Xenox gauntlets. Oh. Xenox suit. Xenox belt. Xenox garter. Well, I don't think they had garters in the X-Men Legends games. It's too bad. It would have been the third one, maybe. It's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Storm comes in and she's like, enough! And she's not playing games. Yeah, and... of course, Archangel and Colossus, like, you know, can't win. But then Storm's like, okay, fine. Yes. <laughs> I'll stop this. And he's like, I'm here to kill Jason Wingard. We cut to the mental scape that is mostly blank, and he's going through his sad story about how 
he was basically a predator his entire life because he was a weakling. So he chose a life of crime. But the only time he was ever happy was when he was, like, manipulating Gene in, like, X-Men 124, or whatever it was. And he is like, I just wanted to be a little happy before I die. And she's like, oh. He wanted to make up for it. He wanted forgiveness and also, like, to somehow right things with people who he had wronged. So he's like, I will give you your fantasy. Um, so that's why all this was created. Um, Gene can send Bishop and Iceman back through the little hospital window. Um, they wake up with a start. So, uh, but that she utilized her power. She can't use her power on herself to get out. Right. So she flung them out. And then it's basically a race to get Gene out of there. But before we find out what's going to happen, we're back to Executioner. And, and he's using those same claws he used to climb up a cliff. Um, he's aerating that lawn. While Storm is throwing like the highest wind she's ever conjured. At him. So that's how he's staying attached to the ground. And... Eventually, she just ends up dropping a great big lightning bolt on him. Good for her. And um, it's like but... some of the best storm art ever. Like, there's a lot of panels there. She just looks amazing trying to murder someone. Yeah, it's not the typical battle sequence that we see. We see her powers and his reactions to them. So it's not like tossing heavy things at one another. Which is what we got earlier in and the issue. There's like a silhouette as he's looking up at her, and all you can you can see the white of her hair, and then it's just an outline from there that looks really good. Her dropping the lightning bolt has some great shading. Yeah. Um, is the uniform white or black? <laughs> we don't know. It's like that Barbie dress. That you have the issue where it's neon orange, yeah. and then someone else said that it was white in their issue. Yeah. Back in the actual hospital room, Bishop is doing CPR to keep Jason Wingard's heart pumping so they can try to get Gene out of there. Um, Jason Wingard is basically dead. His last action is to summon up um, arms from the wall in the mental scape to get her through that window. And Gene is sort of torn up. She's like, no, you don't have to die alone. I'm willing to be in here with you while you die. Which is very gracious of her. Yeah. For someone who had done bad things to her in the past. Um, she seems to have accepted this sort of like plea for forgiveness and um, it seems to feel some sort of camaraderie with him, which I don't know. Maybe that's why I was a gene defender from before, too, of like, I kind of like her more after this issue. This is the first legacy virus death we've run across. Yeah, we know it's it's been happening in the background, but to other people. Yes. Not to a character that we know. Yeah. Um, Storm goes down and gets the lightsaber handle. <laughs> and they figure out Executioner, he's not gone. He Just... used the cover of that lightning bolt to transport. Yeah. Warren is recovering. And they go to find Colossus, 
and he's not doing well. No, and you can find out what happens to him in Uncanny X-Men issue 301 on sale now. He's got this big pink gaping slash from um, his temple down to his nip. I was going to say across his heart, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually, once I read that, I was like, oh, I have to go read Uncanny 301 because I don't remember how they fix this. Mm. Right? Can if he's steel, can they just melt him back together again? But he looks Rough. like not there mentally. Yeah. And then we get a big ad for the X Men anniversary. It was the thirtieth anniversary of the X Men oh. in nineteen ninety three, and we get love, resurrection, death, betrayal. I mean, love is Gene and Cyclops. Resurrection is a Magneto helmet on a plinth. Dear listener, if I use that word too much, I don't care because I like that word. Um, death is Colossus at uh, Grave Marker. Site. Yeah. And Betrayal, it's, it's a, a bunch... Team, it's it, a team shot. Yep, looking at the panel, so we don't know what they're looking at, but Jubilee's upset. I know what they're looking at. Oh. Well, of course you do. Is it the lack of chili fries? <laughs> also, I did just want to say, it's neat that we're, we're doing this literally 30 years later yeah that was the well, 30th anniversary and now it's the 60th it is our backup story is featuring fitzroy what is he wearing <laughs> it was my first thought i mean his hair and his beard match the green in his he has got leotard tights like you can see his thigh muscles so they're tight but his sleeves are ruched and then he's got this purple tunic thing but the side slits are at his waist. So it droops down in the middle, but then it's cut up super high. I don't know what's happening. 90s are happening, I guess. What is happening is a very easy cosplay. That is what's happening. Oh. Yeah. Should I be Trevor Fitzroy? You have legs that could pull this off. Do I? Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, Fitzroy is being a villain. He just melted some dude's face off on the splash page of the cover. Queens. Uh, Kings and Queens and Promises featuring Fitzroy of the Upstarts. They're trying to make Upstarts happen. (laughs) Um, Are they a villain group? Are they a hero group? I mean, he must be a villain group if he's melting this dude's face. He has a, a lackey um named bantam which is real confusing because another one of the new characters coming out in these annuals is named bantam like a like the chicken no bantam like the boxer oh. in captain america oh bantam weight yes so and, I and Fitzroy's really... dude here is also a little confusing because he kind of looks like peepers and yes. i was like is this peepers <laughs> peepers the bantam is it smeagol no oh. I'm getting some Smeagol vibes here. So we, uh, Peepers is serving cake, and... <laughs> is that a cake you, we want? That's not a cake we want. <laughs> it's not. That, that is no. some undead cake. Okay, but this page with the resurrection is cool. Like, he's gripping Bantam, and there's the yellow energies of life going back into him. And then Fitzroy has this close-up of, like, from the bottom of his nose to his forehead. He's got his green hair being stylized in front of one eye and his other eye is like I'm doing I'm plotting evil things. It's a it's a fun look. Um and then you get his cake, Phantom's cake. 
we go to New Mexico. So we see a mutant named Sienna along with a dude um, in they, a shootout with the police. And they were just on a joyride. And there's no context for this. There, it's just a gunfight. It's a gunfight. And then Fitzroy shows up because he can teleport. And he needs energies. That's what he does. He's all about those energies. And he sucks up the boyfriend. He's like, it's just a flat scan. Like, Yuck. <laughs> there's an irk. I need a little, a little snack. And, and then blasts the a train? Yes. So he's capable of pulling things from other time frames. So there's this train from the future from where he's from, which is also where Bishop is from. And which also Fitzroy and Shard dated each other. So what? there's a lot oh, of stuff and going on here. Fitzroy and Ruby Summers was a thing too in X Factor. Have you got we've covered this? Yes. No. Cortex? Yes. We did. Yes. Yeah. So but that, he wasn't evil quite yet. He, no, but he yes. that's how some future sentinels went back yes. in time because he got rid of them because they were attacking Madrox and Layla and Ruby. And then all of a sudden Siren and Monet had to deal with them. And deal with them they did. Because they're awesome. So this train is from the days of future past. It's loaded up with prisoners. Um, you just have to imagine a futuristic train that Nazis used. Um, and Sienna sees her older self in this train. And she's like, oh, no. Is that me? And she's like, tell me, Fitzroy, how can I uh, prevent this from happening to me? And he's like, come along. You're a part of the upstarts now and we don't know what her power is there have, there have been several allusions to her mutant ability and we mm -hmm. just don't know what it is um you have to read x-men unlimited number one on sale now to yeah. figure out what's going on with sienna it's down in the basement in a short box oh. x-men unlimited number one was my second comic that i ever read Ooh. what so you have a special attachment to sienna a little bit yeah yeah um, so this is like a little teaser. I think this book was super effective from a writing standpoint because it makes you want to read more. At least me. You left you on a good cliffhanger. Yep. I really like the Gene moments. It makes you want to read X-Men Unlimited with that little story with Fitzroy. And what is the mystery of Sienna's powers? Yeah. Why is she desirable? In that, terms that... of uh, being on a team, why is he okay. recruiting her? Um, executioner. How do we feel about him as a the first appearance character marketed by Marvel? I feel like he's not one of the reasons I want to read more. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunate. He, he did not seem very important. So, um, like, could be a fun villain. Please let Shard be the character you talk about instead. Mm, <laughs> he what? Shard should be the character. Oh, yeah. So, executioner does show up. More. He has his own crossover. He has a song. He has a song. The song of his people. The other executioners. Um, he most recently appeared in Marauders in 2020. Issues 5 and 6, which I haven't read. I need to. Uh, we picked up Marauders with one of the crossovers. Ten of Swords? Ten of Swords is the first time we read Marauders. 
So there are a few issues that we didn't get to before then. And I tried starting it and I made it like two issues in on Marvel Unlimited before I got distracted by other things because mm. there's so much. So uh, he, what happened, Dylan, do you recall his appearance in recent Marauders? Uh, vaguely. The, it's I a feel, pop quiz. I feel he would have like popped up in the background and been like not much of anything. Like he's in two issues. So that says... They brought him in for a plot device, and then they're like, bye, you can go away again. Yeah, he he showed up at the end of one issue, and so that was, like, his return in, like, one page. And then no. the issue after that was, I think, Kate and Bishop, and maybe even Pyro, fighting him on, like, a boat. And then I think they, like, pushed him overboard, and then we never saw him again. Oh, that makes sense, because Kitty could just fry all the electronics that he's relying on yeah it, it was then, mainly just because most of the krakoa era has just been like anyone who's not a mutant attacking krakoa and so i think they were just like well, let's bring executioner back for five seconds and they did and then he was gone he was teamed up with someone else too oh, that had no. like a, a nazi like name i can't Ew. remember but there was Generous? like two of them yeah oh. we don't need that um so executioner eh, like i'm not has potential has potential i'm not super intrigued and now i need to read that crossover where he has 12 issues and figure (laughs) out if he ever does anything consequential it's funny how they were like here's this brand new character that's a villain but this is actually a story about jason wingard yes yeah (laughs) um and i think that's that was a more compelling part of the story. And because uh, Lobdell is the writer of the ongoing. He's also the writer of the annual. And like we saw with some other issues where that's the same case, obviously there is an editorial dictate. This year, your annual, you have a new character you're introducing, make it work. And the pattern I'm seeing is that the regular writers were like, okay, like, I'll this new character can be involved in like a battle or it's a B story, the B story, but I'm not sacrificing what I'm actually building up and what is the bread and butter of this title in service of the gimmick, because it's a gimmick. It was a pure nineties gimmick where they had a new character and a trading card with all of these issues. I mean, this one is probably the most effective one that we've covered so far. Hmm. I think. I mean, not because of the new character, but because of the plot. Yeah. I remembered that the death of Mastermind being like an important story, but I didn't remember the executioner was a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, so any other moments as we close out this episode that really stuck out to you? Poor Colossus in the Cocoon era. Like I've <laughs> I think I like his character in this issue and all the things that are happening. And I want to read more about the legacy virus and him. Colossus has had it rough. Just the nineties never had a worse good time. for him. Oh. Like it so so worse that he dies. So I feel like way back when on Netflix there was a astonishing X-Men or something by Joss Whedon and it talked and Colossus was dead at the beginning. And then, oh, it is a thing, because in Utopia, when Magneto is, like, straining on top of a cliff, um, the the astonishing thing is when Kitty gets trapped in that space bullet. Yes. 
So um, the nineties are not kind to our Russian hunk. No, they're so lucky. Like there's not a lot of decades that have ever been kind to him. He's just pretty, and we beat him up a lot. Yeah, maybe he'll get some redemption in current X Force. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I I don't know if Ben Percy's writing style is redemptive though. So. <laughs> Because in X Force, I was so optimistic when they were like the writers, like I lost my connection. I was like, yes. But then in the next issue, because they're not really connected, they're like Colossus is ours. Yeah. Evil hand gestures. I was happy when I reread this to find out about Shard <laughs> and yeah. realizing that this was her first appearance. And then, yeah, like, I'm I'm sad that my issue is definitely like a reader issue, and I. You can press it out. uh, No, there are creases. And you you can't really press the annuals because they're glued. Oh, and the glue will melt out. The glue melts. So I think if I had a good one of these, I would probably send it in for some slabbing. Because why not? Yeah. It's the first appearance of two different characters. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was almost a whole nother year before they actually introduced Shard in X-Factor. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. So, uh, Dylan, let's wrap this up. Where can people find you? People can find me on my podcast. That is called House of X Podcast. And you can find me on the internet all over the place at Warpath underscore Dylan. And you can also find me in my X-Men Facebook group that is called House of X. Awesome. You can find us on Instagram at X Factor Files Podcast. It is a joy to select like five to seven images from each of these issues to post about when the episodes release to give people a tease to be like this is some of the ridiculous stuff but can um Colossus's pensive face needs to be one of them and gene being like you're not my children <laughs> gene mother of the year <laughs> gene like us does not want children nope um <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us finally for a mutant issue, Dylan. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And uh, all you listening out there, thank you for joining in. We will catch you next time. Be safe. Be well. Bye. Bye. Bye.